Welcome back into another episode of the All Ball Podcast. You know what's better than NBA basketball? The NBA basketball with LeBron James. I know, crazy. I'm speaking out crazy takes right now. But let's get a little bit more serious. George and I are going to discuss the Lakers possibly going to the play-in tournament and what that might mean for their NBA title odds, as well as our NFL post-draft in-division rankings for the NFC. But before that, we're going to start off the Milwaukee Bucks winning two straight games against the Brooklyn Nets this past week. Now, George, do you think this is something that we need to read into for Brooklyn? Because both these games, I think we're pretty telling, but I want to get your take on it first. Well, I I think it's, uh, I think it's worth looking at both sides of the coin. You you can talk about Brooklyn and you can talk about Milwaukee, but the, but the thing is like, I always say that the regular season, but like you sort of have to ignore it. And then, um, but then, like, you know, with each regular season, you, you then sort of, like, have the overreactions you said you wouldn't have. But, um, yeah, I think uh, I think it was a good – it was a good thing for the Bucs, um, especially, like, especially the way Giannis played down the stretch. I, I sort of thought maybe he's figuring out a little bit. And in the playoffs, he, um, he might put it together and be better than he's been the past two years or sort of disappeared down the stretch. As for Brooklyn, like I've been saying, it, they're – and you're sort of like getting into Clippers last year territory where like you're so positive that it's going to work out to all these talented players, but they're like, they've had so few games of, of actually playing together that, um, that it might fall apart when it's most important. So um, there's only like, you know, teams only have like seven games left. So um, yeah, for the Nets, it's worrisome. Yeah, no, there's a, they've actually been together for seven games. Harden, Durant, and Kyrie have played together for seven games this entire season, and Harden will not be back, in my opinion, based on what I've read through doctors, just their injury report based on the fact that he re-aggravated his hamstring injury. It normally takes a month from that re-aggravation for him to get fully back, and that will be in the playoffs at this point. So he's not coming back, and I assume they're not going to rush him back in these last seven games before the playoffs. So you're going to go into the playoffs with seven games between your top three players on the floor. And I think, look, this isn't everything. This These two losses against Milwaukee, like you said, the regular season, you don't want to overblow it. Obviously, going against Milwaukee in these nationally televised games is different than a game against the Hornets on a random Wednesday. But, yeah, it's hard and still obviously add something, another piece to the Nets offensively. But their issue isn't really – putting up the offensive numbers. They put up 114, 117 points in the two games against the Bucs. It was the fact that they couldn't stop anybody. And I don't see Harden really adding that much value on the defensive end for that one. Yeah. Going back to what you were saying about Giannis. I mean, in the, those two games, he had, he averaged 42 and a half points, 10 rebounds and four assists. He was just an absolute, he was just dominant. They weren't able to stop him at all. And in the second game in particular, the Bro- Brooklyn headed into the fourth quarter with the lead. And then that graphic comes up and it's like Brooklyn is 27 and one or something ridiculous like that when they have a lead entering the fourth quarter. And while the Bucks were below 500 when they're trailing heading into the fourth, the Bucks started to whittle that down. They were down by six with 10 minutes left and then went on an 18 to one run and just felt like they could get anything they wanted in the paint. Then like you see Chris Middleton, Giannis, or even Dante DiVincenzo coming into the paint and just causing havoc. And it, that's got to be worrisome, not only when you go up against the Bucks, but when you go up against the Sixers too, because those two, the two best players on both those teams are perimeter ba- per, or, uh, paint dependent guys to get their production. Yeah. I think it becomes a big deal now that they are one and a half games back or now two, two games back 
as we record this on May 6th, two games back of the 76ers for the number one seed. And like we've said, and like if you're watching the NBA, you kind of get that set. You should get this feeling that there is three clear cut teams to beat in the in the east and then there's a steep drop off so getting that one seat is so crucial and the fact is now they are two games back of philly who isn't in, in the clear driving seat and we, like we said there's about there's about seven games left in the regular season the fact that you're able to eliminate the possibility of getting of having to go through two really tough matchups to make it to the finals is a big deal and brooklyn with just not having all their guys having to go through both Milwaukee and the 76ers potentially to get to the finals and then play another hard matchup against one of the one of the top tier top teams from the West is is it's worrisome at this point. Well, and then and then also like when you look at the East standings, so the Knicks and Hawks are in like the four or five spot, and then so not only do you not only do you want to be the one seed, so you don't have to play one of these good teams in the second round, but then also the six and the seven right now are the Celtics and heat versus the eight is the Hornets. So I mean, I'd much rather play the Hornets than the Celtics or heat who are, you know, two super talented teams that are in down years, but you never know they might come alive for a series. So there's just, you know, so many reasons that, that it's beneficial to, to be that top seed. That's a, that's a good point. I honestly hadn't thought about that from the, the six, seven perspective, because when I when I think about it, when you think about the roster, when you just stack it up, as much as we love the Knicks and how great of a story that is, and the Hawks have been solid, I would much rather see those teams than the Celtics and the Heat at this yeah, point. So, so you're basically looking at you're basically if, if you're the Sixers right now, if everything holds, would you rather play the Hornets and then the winner? And you, you know, this is obviously um playing games pending, but I yeah. but I think you know the eight, nine, ten right now, and it seems it'll stay that way is Hornets, Pacers, Wizards, and none of those teams are anywhere near you know the um. It's sort of like a top three in the East and then a next four with the Knicks, Hawks, Celtics, Heat. And honestly, the Celtics and the Heat are the scariest of the, of the four. So anyway, so it's like, would you rather play the, the Hornets and then the Knicks or Hawks? Or would you rather play the um, the Celtics or Heat and then the other team of the Nets or Bucks? I mean, that's way harder. Mm-hmm. Uh, I completely agree. And then when you factor in the fact, when you factor in, the lack of playing time and the, and going against these teams that are battle tested. These aren't guys that have, these aren't teams that have had massive roster turnover. These are guys that have played together for multiple years at a time. When you think of the Bucks, Nets, Celtics, and Heat, and these are guys that have played in the playoffs together in these big time moments, whether it's the Eastern Conference Finals, whether it's in these tough series, whether it's in the finals for the Heat. Yeah, the, uh, yeah like the Heat are having it down here, but it is literally the exact same team, not to mention that they have Oladipo. Exactly. And then another year, these guys, they are still a young team and still like Bam is continuing to improve both offensively and defensively. Tyler Hero, I know I struggled throughout the season, but he has shown the ability in the playoffs to put up numbers. Duncan Robinson, same thing. Jimmy Butler is, I still think is still coming into his own when it becomes just asserting himself on the offensive end in these big time moments. And I still think that he has the ability to do so. And I don't think that's really a not like, I don't think anybody's knocking him and saying that he can it, but just that's not something that you really want to see a team with continuity to team that knows what it knows what they want to do when the crunch time moments come to that point. And Brooklyn hasn't been able to really figure that out because like when I watched that Bucks game, when it got tight at the end, there were times where I was like, why isn't Kyrie getting the ball? Why isn't Durant getting the ball? Why is it this random guy's taking this this jumper on the wing, uh, and he airballs it? And that's literally a point where I saw it. <laughs> Kyrie passes it off to 
I don't even know who this guy was. I forget what his name was, but he takes the ball off the left wing, drives to the to the the port the short porch area, and tries to force up a shot there and airballs it. And then the Bucks go down the court, and Giannis gets an and one. But honestly, it's not like the Bucks haven't had that problem too. Or you watch the Bucks down the stretch, and you're like, why are Divincenzo and Connaughton taking all the shots? So um, uh, I think you know I think that sort of goes both ways for both teams. But with the Nets, it's going to be interesting because it's almost going to be like a a hot hand or like a taking turn situation. And obviously, there's like three great guys to take turns with. But uh, it might be a little like um, what's the word? Like it won't be like smooth. It'll be a little like you know pieced together. Exactly. Well, that's where it's like these reps in the regular season would have been so crucial to that because it's worked when they've had two on the, I mean, I I forget what the record is with all three on the court, but I think it's easier to do that two man game when you have Durant and Harden, Durant and Kyrie, Kyrie and Harden, than having the three. I think that's another element that isn't really talked about because I think it's just easier to play off the one, the two man game than trying to incorporate all three of these ball dominant guys that are trying to put up numbers. Yeah. You're, you're going to have people that are like overqualified to stand in the corner, you know, like whether it's Durant or Kyrie or Harden, one of them is going to be sort of out of the play every time. That is the great thing about this team though, is that they're all three of these guys can stretch the floor. Yeah. When you think about it, when I was watching the Bucks uh, Brooklyn game, the second one, it's just the fact that they have to manufacture so many of these touches for Giannis around the rim and around like the mid range area is it's really tough to try, I, I, in my opinion, or it just seems so much. It seems so much easier, and it is so much easier for Brooklyn when you have just you compare him to Durant because they're both that big guy. They're both talented scorers, but Durant's just in another stratosphere because he can just take it out from thirty feet and just drill it in your face. And the fact that you don't need to really scheme that up for him, it's just give him the ball, let him do some work, and yeah, Giannis can just bow, bowl his head down and just just wreck you at the rim but that we'll see how far that takes him it hasn't taken him to the to the finals yet and yeah it usually doesn't work it, you know when the games tighten up so speaking of the bucks are we being too dismissive of milwaukee because of the past couple of years i guess i, I kind of think so i think the addition of drew holiday especially when you're talking about matching up versus brooklyn is a little bit of a, a little bit undersold I think on his impact for this team and how it changes what they've been in the past couple of years I think I I actually think it's like adequately sold because I think and I've said this before you sort of have the same problem where like Holiday, Giannis and Middleton are all amazing players but um if it's like late in the fourth quarter you need someone like ISO and get their own shot it's still like kind of Middleton by default Holiday I'd still probably take Middleton over Holiday to do that even though it's close so now you have three guys, none of whom can create as well as any of the three guys on the nets. And ultimately that's what it's going to boil down for to me. Like I look back to, um, there was a game earlier in the season when the nets first got hardened and it was Bucks nets. And it was just the difference of like, you know, that was a game where the Bucks were going to Connaughton and, and DiVincenzo down the stretch. Whereas um, the, you know, nets are just give it to anybody and let them do something. So um, now I think, but for me, with the Bucks, admittedly, I'm going to keep selling them short until one day they just prove me wrong. And I'm going to be like, oh, OK, look at that. You know, I probably won't like predict it before it happens. Mm-hmm. I, I I agree that Middleton, if I had to stack up those three guys, that would be the guy in the crunch time. If you need a jumper, if you want to create something like if you want to create like a jump shot, if you don't want to 
kind of take your chances at something around the rim. I'm going Middleton over Drew at that point. I think Drew's impact on the defensive end and just playmaking ability and not putting all that on Middleton throughout the entire game is is something that might be more undersold than the idea that in the crunch time he will be the guy that takes that load off of him in that in that aspect. And then also, I mean, he didn't play a lot. I saw in the fourth quarter, but P.J. Tucker, I think his ability to be the small ball five for them allows to counter what Brooklyn likes to do with Blake Griffin or Jeff Green at the five. And instead of having Brooke Lopez out there trying, just getting switched on every play, because that's a big thing that I've seen Brooklyn do throughout the season. Namely, when I was working this this, uh, Phoenix Suns Brooklyn Nets game and Phoenix was leading pretty much the entire game. And then the fourth quarter, they went to this small ball five lineup with Jeff Green at the five. And they were pretty much saying Jeff Green guard DeAndre Ayton on the defensive end and let them do that. But on the offensive end, they were just sending Jeff Green for screens and they were switching DeAndre Ayton, dragging him out to the three point line and just isoing him out there. And it just led to this Brooklyn comeback where James Harden with no Kyrie and no Durant on the in the game, Durant or Harden led them back just by attacking and attacking and attacking DeAndre Ayton on the offensive end and just living with, if they're able to get him post touches, just letting him live and die by that. And I think the ability to have PJ Tucker, who he can, he can muddy up a game. Uh, we saw him, he got into an exchange with Durant. He just makes the game physical. He's done that through his time with Houston that we've seen. I, I think that's also just another factor that you have to lay into this is a stat. This defensively, this Milwaukee team, I think, is very, very good. And I'm interested to see what they do with Giannis because I saw that he wasn't really guard, he wasn't guarding Durant during this during this matchup. Yeah, well, I, I guess I'm not shocked at that. You know, you know, it's not it's not too often that people just sort of like take someone and guard them the whole game. So you know, I'm sure he'll guard Durant at times. I'm sure he won't at times. But yeah, I like Tucker. I always liked him at Houston. You know, like you said, can play center on defense and then a good guy to, you know, stand in the corner and he's, you know, liable to hit some threes if he's open. So, uh, yeah, that's definitely a big addition for them. Because, you know, a lot of times that it was almost like a, um, like an outdated team when you have Giannis at the four and Brooke Lopez at the five. It just doesn't really work. I know I know Lopez shoots threes, but just uh, – No, I agree. Especially, and I especially on the defensive end because I think – the name of the game right now is versatility on the defensive end and being able to switch amongst when it with when it's so heavily used when screens are so heavily used the ability to switch between defenders and not having to fight through everything is so huge and when you have PJ Tucker at the 5 or Giannis at the 5 and PJ Tucker at the 4 as opposed to Brooke Lopez at the 5 it allows you for that versatility and allows for you to not expend the energy to go th- to have to fight through these screens to make it over and try and re- recover against these elite scores especially on Brooklyn do you think it's far-fetched that to think like Giannis is the one Middleton and Drew as 2A and 2B could be like a championship team uh no definitely not it just you know it depends on the season and um I, you know we could maybe maybe we'll, I'll use this opportunity to transition us to talking about the Lakers a bit because I'm like I'm looking at the Lakers struggle and and then I'm looking at the the Nets, um, not have a lot of time together. S- same can be said for the Clippers, even though it is their second season. And I'm just sort of looking around, and I'm like, who is the best? You know, who's the best team in the league? It, it's not as clear as it might appear when you just look at like, oh, this team has LeBron and AD, and this team has the the big three in Brooklyn. So 
yeah, you know, ultimately someone has to win the finals and, and it could be them, you know, if things shake the right way, if they, if the Nets sort of implode and then you beat the Sixers, which is fully possible. I think the Bucks are like about as good as the Sixers. Um, so yeah, I think it's fully possible. Do I think it's like probable? No, I wouldn't bet on it, but yeah, I think this core could definitely win a title. I agree with what I agree with the point that it, I think this is when you thought about it last year, the idea of Giannis as the one and Middleton as the two, I don't think you could really sell yourself on that. When you looked at the other duos that were among around the league, whether it was LeBron and AD, Kawhi and PG, and so on and so forth, just thinking about those guys, you didn't really see it. But I think the, again, the Drew element of being a guy that can be a 2B to Middleton's 2A, I think can lead you there. But then going into the Lakers, and similarly with the Nets, it's the fact that we haven't – like the Lakers looked like the clear-cut team throughout the entire – like through the beginning of the season when the season kicked off, they looked like the team that just picked up right where they left off where they just got better through free agency because they got these pieces that can just fit seamlessly in with LeBron and AD because you're not adding in somebody that needs the ball a lot. And you have these guys that establish roles and just know that you're not anywhere close to the one or two on this team. And you need to know that when you sign up and with Brooklyn, it's just, you haven't seen it enough with these guys on the court to make the assumption that with three dominant ball handlers and three offensive superstars, can it work out in the playoffs when their defense is below average to say the least, but then going into Lakers, they're headed to for the play-in tournament, potentially. They're right now yeah. in the sixth seed. They are a half game up on the Trailblazers for this who's in the who are in the seventh seed with again about seven games left. Their games are right and oh, wait. Uh yeah, they are and they are tied with the Mavericks for the fifth seed. But according to this, they are the sixth seed at the moment. The remaining games are against the at the Clippers, at Portland, versus Phoenix, versus the Knicks, versus Houston, at Indiana, Indiana, and at New Orleans. First, I want to start off. What's your stance on the playing game? Do you do you like it? Because I've seen mixed re- with all the comments that LeBron has come out about whether about like these guys getting fired, which I think were absolutely ridiculous. As much as I love LeBron, I don't know what what these comments are about. But what what's your stance on it? Now, uh, yeah, I didn't like I didn't like what LeBron said. It was kind of like a clown thing to say, honestly. Um, you know, especially because it's one. Of, but I, it's one of those like. I wonder if he was just sort of like caught up in the moment and he's like come back from this injury. Like it took longer than he thought it would. It didn't go how he thought it would like, uh, and like, you know, they're losing games upon his return and he's just like freaking out. He's probably like nervous. So she's like, I'm about to be in the playing game. Um, as far as like, cause I mean, you saw last year with great, with like the trailblazers of Memphis. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's so much fun. They, they just add anticipation and the fact of, I like the point that people bring up where it's, you know, it adds it, it it decentivizes tanking for at least four more teams. So you're yeah. getting these teams that would have normally just just bowed out and just been like, okay, this is our season, we're done with. But like the Spurs, Spurs can be in the playing tournament, and then they just win two games, and they're in the and they're in the in the playoffs. Yeah. So so the format is from from what I understand it is, you know, I thought it would be like a seven, ten, eight, nine thing, but it's more of like a seven plays eight winners guaranteed to be in and then nine plays 10 winner plays the loser of seven and eight for like the last spot which at first i was sort of like oh that's weird why don't they just do seven ten eight nine but um i actually think it could be a good idea 
I originally, yeah, I originally thought what you were thinking. I thought it was like a three game series, but like the higher seed just needs to win one time. The lower seed needs well, to yeah, win that's two what it times. Was last year. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't have a problem with this. It, it makes sense to me. And especially when you're trying to maximize the amount of attention to these games, if you make it a one game thing, then it's just done with obviously the th- best of three game series with the higher seed needing to win one does make every game just that more important, but it also, it also makes it, it makes it a lot more taxing potentially on these teams as they go into the playoffs with less rest as opposed to these other teams. So if they're in the play-in, does it change whether you think the Lakers will make the finals? Does that not, in it's itself? It's not necessarily about being in the play-in game for me, but it's more like, like you, you, okay, you follow an NBA season and, and things go the way they go, but you're sort of, at least I am sort of like conditioned to believe the regular season is meaningless, but like when it gets to the end of the season, um, it's like, you're looking at it now. It's like, wow, we're at the end of the season and the Lakers are the sixth seed and you don't really know if LeBron is healthy. Um, AD's back, but he was out for a long time. Like it's, this is sort of like that year where the Cavs made the finals in 2018, where they were just like the, um, the like fourth seed or five seed, but the difference is um, the difference is the West is way better than the East was that year. And if you remember the, the Cavs went to like seven games against the Pacers. Um, if the Lakers draw a bad matchup, you know, they'd be fortunate to get the Nuggets without Murray, even though the Nuggets have been great, they would be fortunate to get that matchup. But if you draw the Suns or the Clippers, um, yeah, they might go home in round one and, you know, sort of chalk it up to like a bad season of injuries and stuff like that, because, uh, like, yeah, the season's coming to a close and they're clearly not like anywhere close to their uh, peak. So I, when I was going through it, I was thinking about what, what would be the better scenario for the Lakers? Would they, what, not sure what's going, what would be better going to the play and winning and going up against Utah or Phoenix or getting the 16, getting the time off and playing the Clippers or then the, what would be the nuggets at this point? On one hand, you get the easier matchup with Phoenix and Utah, probably as opposed to in the idea when I was doing this, it was the Clippers. And then last night, the Nuggets won and they took over the three seed at, from the Clippers. It's right now tied. They're both uh, four games out from the top. Yeah, well, it's two, like like th- those two are tied. Um, one and two could flip and then five through seven could flip. You know, So it's certainly like super up in the air. So like, would you rather have the the e- I guess you yeah, you played the matches. You want the Nuggets without Murray. No, no, but, uh, but, but like say it's the Clippers instead. The Clippers are the three seed, and you can then – and you, the Lakers are either the six seed and they're playing the Clippers, or they're the seven seed and they, they're they in the playing tournament and they're playing the Jazz and the Suns. So they either get the rest time to get ready for the Clippers, which is, in my opinion, would be the harder matchup of the two, or you play the playing tournament, and they're, they're, they're going to end up winning this. You're, you're not losing two straight games with LeBron and AD when it's just balls to the walls, playoff time basketball. And then you get the easier matchup against the Jazz and the Suns, but you also get less rest time, less preparation time. It's sort of, honestly, like, only thing I'm thinking of is how can I avoid the Clippers for as long as possible? So, like, if the Clippers are the three, then, like, maybe I get in as, like, the eight and uh, – play like the jazz and then I play the winner of like nuggets Mavericks in the second round mm-hmm. or, or if I'm, yeah, I just, I like, I think the Clippers are, are the one team you don't want. Um, I think they're the best team in the West, honestly. Um, I, I think, I think especially, I, I, I'm not going to say they're the best team in the West yet, but I, I do think that they cause the most problems, especially because 
you know, last year we were talking about the lack of continuity, but this year they have that right now. They have they these sort guys. of have that because every time you look, Kawhi's not playing. That's true. That's true. But like when you carried over from last year, yes, they added in a couple of new pieces. But again, like the Lakers, it's not these big name pieces that are demanding that we change that they change how they run their offense. Really, it's like Serge Ibaka, it's Luke Kennard, it's these guys that are secondary pieces that can fit in. So I think the carryover makes up for that. Where maybe just if you go season by season, they're not, they're not playing as much as you would like together, but just maybe, over the span of the two years, you know, maybe, maybe the Lakers, maybe it'd be good for the Lakers to have the play in game to sort of like give them a chance to rather than do, rather than do like the typical LeBron, like you toss game one, you sort of like, um, you sort of like get that playoff feel going, like in the playing game, sort of like get yourselves ready to roll. And then, and then you go take on, the Jazz, they're not. They wouldn't have a problem with the Suns. Would be an interesting series. That's what I think. I think it'd be interesting. I still think they would have really. I think I it would. I think be like a four-two series win, maybe four-one. I don't know. I, I because my again. I, I think I we mentioned it when we were talking a couple of weeks ago about the NBA. I just don't know how they match up against LeBron. You can throw Jay Crowder. You can throw. <laughs> cam johnson you can throw tory craig but i i still don't see what you do and then you play 80 at the small ball five he can handle deandre and, and on the offensive line and anthony davis can drag him out to the three-point line and then you open up the lane for lebron to take advantage of jay crowder and all those guys yeah so that's, what, got, that's my issue maybe, with them maybe i don't necessarily like think lebron is that guy right now like uh like dude they're all these teams have a guy who can do as much as LeBron can do like right now. That's sort of what I think. Like, I think um, like right now injury accounted for like Doncic is better than LeBron. I'm not saying that Doncic is a better player, but like right now he kind of is. What? Um, <laughs> My guy. I, I get he's in out for a while. I get it. Uh, I'm, I'm not ready to do that. I'm not ready to say that. I, I still think there there's, I I still don't even know if I can name a few people that I, I would take over LeBron at the moment. Yeah, I would take like five to ten guys. Just like right now, you know, it's not about like 2019 or 2020, mm-hmm. 2018. Just like right now, injury yeah. counted for the fact that like he came back and had to sit out again. I think that's just more wear and tear. I think they just still they, – they're not worried about making the playoffs. They're worried about just making sure that the wear and tear on him is just – just making sure that it doesn't accumulate because these random games, they're still going to make the playoffs. They know that they just want to worry about him being healthy and him just getting back up to speed with the game is more important than just, than just forcing another, like a third straight game. In my opinion, Mm -hmm. I'm still not ready to say that the, that especially when you look at the jazz and the Suns, they have guys that can match what LeBron brings to uh, brings to this team. But I do think it, it is interesting to see that they that they haven't been playing a lot of games. So it is a big factor. We can talk about Brooklyn having that issue. They've had it throughout the entire season. But then as the season changes and as health develops, the Lakers have had that same issue where LeBron and AD have not been on the court together forever. <laughs> like we've seen in the past two to three games. But besides that, they haven't been on the court since probably January or February. And that, that's a long time in the NBA, especially with a condensed season where games are just at a higher frequency. But we will see. Season is coming into the final stages of it. And 
you know, playoff basketball is right around the corner. We're a week from tomorrow is the playing tournament. <laughs> and uh, we'll see what happens there, whether the Lakers end up making the playoffs. I mean, they'll, they'll make the playoffs, whether Dude, they make the playing tournament. Po- that can't be possible a week from tomorrow. When I had looked last time, NBA playing. Because all these teams have like seven games left to play. When I looked last time, it was the 14th. Unless I'm mixing it up with something. Well, uh, I know, like I know, games are like postponed. Okay, wait, no, I, I think it's the 18th. Uh, That'll make a little more sense. Yeah, yeah. I, okay, my bad. Playing tournament starts the 18th, so we are 12 days away from today. Huh. That makes that does make a lot more sense. When you know, when I was re- when I looked at how many games the Lakers have left, and they've got seven games left, it didn't make sense to do it seven over seven. Um. So, heading over to the NFL. Last time we spoke, last time we hosted the pod, we had just gotten done with the first round of the NFL draft. We get went through and gave our grades out for that. Now we're going to give out our power rankings for each division, not like ranking each division amongst the NFC, but like go to the NFC North and rank all four teams for that and go to the NFC South, rank all four teams for that as we see it now, just right after the draft. So starting off, We'll start out with the with in my in my opinion the division with the most news that we've seen in the past week or so the NFC North with Aaron Rodgers potentially being out and we're gonna I'm gonna start off with this one because I think we need to start some stipulations we're gonna do two different rankings for this one with Rodgers playing for Green Bay and one without because I think it's really up in the air at this point whether or not he ends up playing for them whether he just sits out slash retires or actually plays because I think he's dug his heels in. And said that he doesn't want to play. Well, first of all, what do you think about um, him referencing Brian Gutenkust as a uh, Jerry Krause? I think, um, I think honestly, like when did Aaron Rodgers become like a tabloid guy? That's sort of been my takeaway from the past couple of weeks. Like, is it when he was dating like the actress whose name I don't remember, or like Danny Patrick, or like like because five years ago you never like heard about Aaron Rodgers. And, and now it's like, like, if you think back, it's like, remember it came out that like his brother hated him and like, he doesn't talk to his family. And then like, he's dating these celebrities and now he's like talking about Jeopardy. And now he's like, he sort of became like a, uh, like I said, like a tabloid guy. I don't know when that happened. And like, I guess that goes to say that it's a bit like overdramatic for me. He, he seems to be a guy that does it that used to do it passive aggressively where he'd say like some things like in press conferences, but it was never like this straightforward. And now it's, I mean, these are all reports. This isn't straight from his mouth, but like you hear things, these are reputable reports. This is Adam Schefter. This is Ian Rappaport. These are guys that are just like doing this for clicks or whatever. These are guys that are actually reporting news and have genuine sources. So I, I, I don't know. It, it, this hasn't normally been the case with him, but you know, it adds a, definitely another flair to the uh, to the ever growing just off season that we normally don't see with the NFL. This is very NBA like. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, not saying it's a good thing, but we normally did not see throughout the throughout the off season you would see this amount of news, especially surrounding the quarterback situation, because now we've had three top ten guys, three possibly top like five or seven quarterbacks that have come out and said they don't want to play for their team anymore. Yeah, well, if you think about if you think about how the last two ended. Like Deshaun wanted out and it was like in unfixable. And then he had this whole like scandal come up and he's going to end up playing for the Texans. Um, if, if playing well, at well, all, uh, <laughs> if playing at all. Um, 
And uh, and then the Wilson one was sort of like the weakest of the three because I feel like Wilson isn't the kind of guy to like like do this and be like Rodgers and be like, yeah, I'm not playing no matter what. So it's it sort of like he leaked it. Um, he'll end up playing for the Seahawks, no problem. I honestly think Rodgers uh, is tough. I, I'm really 50-50. I wouldn't be surprised either way if he played for the Packers or got traded. So I, I think with the Deshaun Watson situation, I, th- I think he's done there. I don't think he plays there ever again. If he plays in 2021, still to be seen, I don't think he plays there ever again. Seahawks, it seems like Russ has mended everything there. I, I also thought that was the weakest one. I also thought his argument was the weakest for wanting to get out of there because it, they, it looks like they had done everything to try and win there. They were a team that was still very competitive. I get the yeah, fact that they scaled back the, the play calling, but he also held on to the ball for a lot of time, and that led to his sack numbers. You really don't think Deshaun is going to play for the Texans? No. I think he definitely will. I, I, I do not. I think at this point he is dug in, and he's either I'm not playing, or I, I'm either not playing, or you're trading me. Yeah, I think it's I think it's the most steadfast one at this point. I think, yeah, I, I based on everything I've read and I, as somebody that owns Deshaun Watson in my dynasty league, but I've done a lot of research anything? on this. Have you read anything the past like two, three weeks? Yeah, Adam Schefter. Oh, what he said? I'll search it up. It was along the lines of he. Many people in the league believe that his career in Houston is done. Uh. Well, he also said that they, what's it called? Um, That, uh, what is it? That people think he's like, he might not play this season. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pulling it up right now. This was on the news that they had taken Davis Mills with like the 67th pick. Um, nope. Uh, they could say it's the best player on their board or whatever, but the fact of the matter is there are people in league circles who believe Deshaun Watson will not play the season. There are some who believe his career in Houston is over and the Texans know they face a tremendous amount of quarterback uncertainty, which is why they use the third round pick on Davis Mills. So it's, yes, it's not a foregone conclusion. I think all signs just point to that at this point. Yeah. And especially given the fact that given the negative PR that's about it, this whole new regime, I think that would like to start over. And I, again, think he's just so dug in on this that it's just not going to end up. He, I don't think he takes another snap. I don't think he's going to just bow out and be like, now I'm going to take snaps for them heading into the season after how he feels about what the organization has done for, or what the owner, I guess, in particular has wronged him with, Mm. but Let's head over to the rankings. We'll see how all that settles out, and we will continue to discuss it as it continues to progress with both Rodgers and Deshaun Watson because it seems like Russell Wilson of those three is the most that's safely going to be playing for his team in 2021. Starting with the NFC North, I'm going to start with with Rodgers playing for Green Bay, and that starts off with Green Bay at the one spot. Minnesota, who I think will be vastly improved this upcoming season at the two spot. I really liked what they did with the draft, addressing the offensive line with Christian Darrisaw, as well as trading down and accumulating more picks with that. I like the Kellen Mond pick in the third round for, as quarterback insurance. Then Chicago at the three spot and Detroit, who will probably be with there with Houston as the worst team in the NFL in the 2021, uh, 2021 season in the four spot. Yeah, I had, I had the same. I actually think uh, I actually think Detroit could end up being kind of decent, um, but – 
you know, and surprise people. And when I say kind of decent, I mean like, you know, seven wins or something like that. Whoa. But, um, seven and 10. Yeah, how weird, yeah, exactly. how weird does that sound? I know. Crazy. <laughs> crazy. All the stuff, all the stuff that you knew, like it is gone. Um, yeah, I think they could end up being decent, but you know, not enough to, for me to rank it any differently. And then if Rogers were to leave, I would, uh, I would put them right to the bottom like that. So that's what, what I mean. I think Detroit could be all right. Like if, uh, a Packers with no Rodgers, I think, would be worse than the Lions. So I think de- decent for Detroit would honestly be like four and thirteen, five and twelve, in my opinion. I think this is a two and two and fifteen team at the moment, maybe three and fourteen. And I, I'm I'm doing this math in my head. I know it's not like hard math, but like just adjusting to all these like to uh, all these difference in like records because first year that we're doing this but without Rodgers I have the NFC North going as Minnesota at one Chicago at two Green Bay at three I I still don't think they're as bad as Detroit I think all around the roster is still very good this is still a really good offensive line they have Aaron Jones they have Devontae Adams on offense Robert Tunyon who's a very solid tight end I don't think Jordan Love will be absolutely garbage he might not be good enough to like be an upper echelon or a even average quarterback, but I still think he, the rest of the roster is so much better than Detroit's and the continuity, just coach coming over, working with Jordan Love over the past year or so. And the fact that they've had all a bunch of these guys on the roster for a while and Detroit's had a major overhaul. I still think Detroit would be the fourth, the fourth best team in this division. Now heading over the NFC South, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I have as the one they return everybody. This is the team that won the Super Bowl. I think it's pretty clear cut there. Atlanta, I have the two spot. I, I love. I think Arthur Smith will be a really big upgrade for them, especially on the offensive end. I, I think this is more so just a, a big faith in the fact that their offense will take another step, not only with a better play caller, but obviously with Kyle Pitts there. And I, I think that the defense for – it was really between them and Carolina for me. I'm not ready to completely trust Sam Darnold over Matt Ryan, and the gap on defense doesn't overcome the difference in faith between these two quarterbacks. So I'd rather have Matt Ryan, and maybe I'd rather have the Carolina defense, but I'm not ready to pit, put Matt Ryan plus Atlanta D is less than Sam Darnold and Carolina defense. And then New Orleans at the fourth spike is – I don't know what Jameis is. And they've had to, they had to make so many cuts on that roster – where to get under the luxury tax, I think they're going to get really hamstrung with just lack of depth or just lack, just lack in just certain areas. Yeah. I have the exact same rankings. Uh, I think like, like I said, like if I think the Packers without Rogers <clears throat> will be the worst team in the division, now I definitely think the Saints without Breeze are going to take a big hit too. It was tough for me because, you know, Breeze hasn't just hasn't been like that guy recently so it's like how much is the drop-off but then you factor in breeze to 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 Jameis and then you factor in just the other cuts they've had to make around the roster I just think I think like it's more than just losing like Drew Brees's production like uh like you know you could say the same thing that Brady wasn't that good in his last year in New England and they were bad last year so I just it's one of those things like you you like clearly shift from like Super Bowl contender to like uh you're sort of like no man's land as a franchise Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you have faith in New Orleans, it's your faith in Sean Payton and his ability as a play caller to get the most out of Jameis Winston. Because, look, he he was he had the thirty interceptions and all that, and that's not something that you want at your quarterback. But to say he was an average quarterback around league average, I think is fair to say at the point when you saw him two years ago. So if you can think Sean, and that was with Tampa, and what was going on there, if you think. It was with Bruce Arians, so I won't say it's a, just a complete shit show of who the play caller or the 
the head coach was there, but Sean Payne's just another level. And if he can elevate him to a top 12 to 15 quarterback, then, you know, that that's something that you can work with. And they still do have studs around the roster. I'm just skeptical in, in putting them over these other two teams, Tampa or Atlanta and Carolina, because Tampa is just untouchable at this point. Now heading over to my new trademark, the NFC beast. We're getting rid of the NFC least, the NFC beast. No, not yet. Maybe a couple not. seasons away. <laughs> um, I have uh, Dallas at the one spot, the Giants at the two spot, the football team at the three spot, and the Eagles at the four spot. And it really comes down to it's a top three, and then the Eagles. I think you'll you you will agree. Yeah. We'll yeah. Who did you have? Who, who? What was your one two? Dallas, New York. Yes, yeah, so I had. Um, it's funny you say I had the top three totally flipped. I had football team one. Uh, Giants two, Dallas three, um, Eagles four. Like I've like I've said with Dallas, I just maintained the Dak thing is going to be a two year deal, and he's not going to be that good this year. Um, for the football team, yeah, I just think they're the best team in the division. Honestly, I, I think Fitzpatrick is like is a great addition. I, I was saying all free agency, I thought he'd be like a perfect fit there, and uh, like sick defense. Um, yeah, I like their team a lot. And, I, and the Giants are good. I think football team is, is, is the best team, um, best coach. Uh, I, ju- I just think there will be times where Fitzpatrick, like, we I, look, I'm not, I'm not going to say that Alex Smith was better than him, but I, Alex Smith didn't lose them games, really. He didn't win them games necessarily, but I think that Fitzpatrick offers that ability to potentially lose these games. And I still think my faith with Dallas, look, their, their defense is bad. Their defense is bad. It's got they've had some upgrades, obviously, with the draft. The, and I the think line they, isn't that good anymore. I mean, I will say last year they were just they were just devastated with injuries, and now they hopefully going into the season, we're not going to account for injuries heading into the season. It should be better. And the yeah. offense was explosive as hell when Dak was healthy. I still think Dak is clear cut the best quarterback in this division. And you still have all those offensive weapons. I like the addition of Dan Quinn as their defensive coordinator, who was the defensive coordinator for Seattle when they had the Legion of Boom. And I'm not saying he's going to transform this defense into into that into that defense, yeah, but to not. to to take them from probably a bottom five defense into you know the twentieth, yeah, is a major step up. And when you counter with that offense. I'm more a believer in the fact that Dak maybe not right out of the gate, but as the season progresses and with the additional game, it'll give them more time to, to build up this team. And I think they will. I, yeah, that's where I I stand as them as the best team in this division right now. And then the giants, the giants, it's tough for me Like as a giants fan. It's tough for me to put them above these teams because I don't know what to make of Daniel Jones and Jason Garrett. And those are two of the more important positions and more important roles when you're trying to figure out what a team's success will be like a young quarterback and an offensive coordinator that you don't have a lot of faith in is tough to get behind, especially despite the fact that you might think, yes, the weapons around him are great. And the defense and the defensive coordinator are great. The head coach I think is great. The offensive line hopes it becomes at least average it just leads to a recipe where it's, I'm a little skeptical of them at the moment. And then the Eagles, uh, this is a team that's in a rebuild mode at this point. Yeah. And I think, I, think, you, I actually think the Eagles can turn around and not too long, you know, it won't be like a line situation where you're yeah. bad forever, but uh, yeah, no, cause they have nice pieces. They have draft capital already built up yeah. with the, the, with the Wentz trade and with the trade down. 
I, I completely agree with that. And especially in the NFL, when you have these quarterbacks on rookie deals, you can flip the script real quickly because you and can spend that, money on free agency and draft. And this, you know, this division, especially where, you know, even with the 17 game season, seems like 10 games max for the division winner. You know, I, I, I'd be surprised like an 11 and six. Maybe, you know, if Dallas, if everything goes right for Dallas, they go on 11. I could I could see that, especially when you have three teams that are in the division that are around the same tier and not. And I, I think Philly will definitively be the worst team in the division this year. But it's not I don't think they're Detroit level bad. They're not significantly better than that, but they're not Detroit level bad. In my well, opinion, you know, this year, Philly might win about like three or four games. Oh, yeah? we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Is it time to bring in Jamie Newman like week seven? If it's like one in five situation, no Joe know. Flacco. I always liked him in school, Jamie. I was surprised that he was an undrafted guy, honestly. Because well, this is a guy that transferred and it didn't work out. Well, he opted out, right? I, th- I think he opted. Well, he a- transferred. He transferred. He did transfer from Vanderbilt to Georgia or Van- Vanderbilt Wake, Georgia Tech. What? From Wake Forest. Wake Forest. I, I knew it was like one of the one of those gold and those. Gold yeah, teams. yeah. Uh, from Wake Forest to Georgia, and then I think he opted out, so he just nobody's seen him. Yeah, so he hasn't played in a long time. Um, and the offense that they ran was sort of weird, but uh, at Wake, but I, I always like the guy. I you know, don't want him to maybe necessarily be my starting QB yeah. at the NFL team, but I like the guy. So now heading into the the best division, I think in the NFL at this point. I mean, you can make the argument for maybe the AFC North, but I won't even say that. The NFC West, I think they got four very good teams. I'm not. I I I'll say two elite teams, four very good, and two other very good teams. I have it as San Fran as my best team, the Rams as the two, Arizona as the three, and Seattle as the four. Yeah, I have um, I have L.A. and San Fran flipped. I think I think I, you know, I sort of think we've like maybe it hasn't been like explicitly said, but it's sort of been said. I definitely think I like the Rams more than you. Um, just I think they're really good, and like Stafford is a big deal, and I think they're going to be amazing. I think they're going to win like a ton of games. Um, and San Fran, uh, how can you rank a team first in the toughest division in the league and you don't even know who their starting quarterback is? You know, so for me, I, I, th- I think, you know, super talented, but I'm going to put them second. Seattle, I mean, what a team to be fourth. You know, they're going to like – they'll be above 500 too. So, uh, that it's crazy. But, yeah, for me, the Rams are number one and then San Fran too. So, for me, it's – they have San Fran, I think, is the best combination of offense and defensive line in the division. And I agree the 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 Matthew Stafford piece of this is obviously huge. And you don't know who San Fran's going into week one with at their starting quarterback spot. But Kyle Shanahan, I, I'm just taking him over everybody else in the in the whole conference when it talk, comes to McVeigh is great coach, too. He is. He is. But I'm still taking Kyle Shanahan over him. And then when you factor in Stafford, yes, yeah, Stafford's Jimmy and the Rams secondary is probably better than San Fran's, but San, the Rams have also lost some key pieces. They lost John Johnson and lost Troy Hill. And these don't seem like big name guys, but John Johnson, I thought was one of the yeah, best. He's good. But yeah. One of the like best him. safeties, I think. And one of the best signings in free agency this past year. And when you, th- when I read up on the, what the ex defensive coordinator, who is now the, the chargers coach who isn't with the Rams anymore for one of the elite def- for the number one defense last year, when he talks about what John Johnson meant to that team, it speaks volumes to what they're now missing out on. He said he was like the quarterback for that defense. And that's a huge part that you're going to miss out on. And I think the losses that the the 49ers had, I think were a lot less impactful. 
I thought last year when I looked at the roster for the Rams, I think it was a lot better than top to bottom when you just don't even fact, I'm not going to factor in quarterback, like the quarterback value of it. But when you isolate every other position for this, I think the Rams as a whole got worse. So that's where it makes me a little bit worrisome. And San Fran, I think, stayed around the same. Yeah, they lost Richard Sherman. They lost a couple of other pieces, but I don't think it's as ma- as massive as the Rams. And then for Seattle, I hated their draft. Secondary's weak. Their pass rush is minimal. This is Russ just putting on his shoulders, and I think it's clear-cut that the only reason they would finish third is because Arizona has Cliff Kingsbury and – Jury's still out if that guy is, uh, is a good or even serviceable coach at this yeah, point because they I have mean, a roster just, that should be better. The reason that you put Arizona above them is just because, like, yeah, they've done a better job drafting. They got J.J. Watt. Like, their, their defense should be at least average, and, and their offense should be above average. So, you know, all things considered, there's probably one in 10, 11 games. That's the power of the uh, the rookie quarterback contract because yeah, now they're able to get the – they're able to get – I mean, A.J. Green isn't something to gloat at, but A.J. Green for one year, six mil. J.J. Watt, his $15 million a year deal. You get all these different guys. They were able to address the offensive line more so, and this was already – they have a stronger offensive line, in my opinion, than Seattle. And they get Rondale Moore in the draft, who I liked a lot better than Seattle for some reason. They have no picks in the first two rounds. And then their third round pick, I, I think their first pick was in the third round. They take a, a wide receiver. And so you just signed Tyler Lockett to a new deal. You have DK Metcalf. Why are you addressing the wide receiver position, position at this point? You pay Chris Carson as well. These are all weapons that you can use. You don't need to get a third wide receiver, in my opinion. Yeah, I'd rather address the corner situation. They just lost their number one corner in free agency to the Jags. And they still really didn't they didn't really address it because they didn't have the draft picks to have. They don't really have the cash base to address these to get these big name guys. And in a, a division with three other three other good to really good quarterbacks. And in San Fran's case, they have the best play caller in the conference, in my opinion. Like the thing about the Seahawks is if you replaced Russ with like an average QB, it would be terrible. Yeah. They, so they would. their roster is just like not great to look at. It's sort of like, it's sort of like remnants from the Super Bowl teams, but like you know, eight years down the road, like it, it's just it's pretty bad. Yeah, no, you got KJ Wright and Bobby Wagner who were part of those teams, and they're on the defensive side. You got him. Honestly, he might be the only guy from those Super Bowl teams that's still on the offensive side of the ball at this point. But it's like you still tr- they're trying to they're trying to relive that at this point. Is there any chance Lockett was there? I don't think so. I think you're thinking of Baldwin, maybe. Well, but isn't Baldwin gone by now? Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we will maybe see. Maybe a lineman that, that, that we're not thinking of, like an offensive line or something. I can't even know. I don't think so. Yeah, me neither. Personally. <laughs> but that's going to do it for us today. Um, we'll be back next week, maybe previewing what we see with the NBA playoff matchups with another week in the books as we head into the playing tournament and we'll see how this NFL news develops, but uh, thank you for tuning in. Yep. Thank you guys. AFC next week.